It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome in to Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Warriors smacked the New York Knicks 122-95 like they're supposed to. A couple of great performances, some great postgame sound, and some big news coming from the Warriors before tonight's game. All that and more coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Got another good one for you as the Warriors beat the Knicks 122-95, to like I said, as they're supposed to, which is a good thing because... This year it's been less of a sure thing for stuff like this. The Knicks are a different story, though. Different than, you know, losing to Portland or losing to Houston without Chris Paul. But still, it's good to see the Warriors come out and do what they're supposed to do against a subpar team, a very subpar team in the Knicks. So the 27-point win was a welcome sight. Clay goes for 43. We're going to talk about that a lot more in just a minute. Uh, There's also some other noteworthy stuff, such as Steph only going for 14. That's points and assists. Steph finished the night with 14 points and 14 assists. So mixed bag there where, of course, the assists are great because not only did he have 14 assists, he had 14 assists and one turnover. But he did only have 14 points. Like, that's a real thing. He did have seven rebounds, one steal. So it was a solid game from Steph, but... What made that more acceptable was the fact that Clay goes for 43. Steph continued to have some turnovers that, you know, were bad, but a lot of people had turnovers. KD had six turnovers on the night. And these live ball turnovers kept the Knicks in the game at certain points. Up until about three minutes left in the first half, the Knicks were up one, actually, on the Warriors. And the Warriors go on a 13-0 run to end the first half, and then in the first five minutes, add another 13 points on top of that lead, and they're up 25, and never look back. So, is it actually a problem? Is it that big of a deal? No, not really, but it would be nice to clean up the turnovers. As a team, they end the game with 15 turnovers, which, you know, not terrible, but not great either. Not terrible for the Warriors, I'll put it that way. But also not great. You'd still like to keep them down. I don't know. I don't know where an acceptable number is. I know for Steve Kerr, it's almost zero. But the other problem is their live ball turnovers. Where the other team, you know, gets buckets off them. And that's what kept Sacramento in the game on Saturday. Where they're getting live ball turnovers and getting 29 points off them. That's what kept Sacramento in the game. 
not just Buddy Heald shooting and Justin Jackson shooting. If the Warriors were able to take care of the ball, probably should have been a 15-point win. But they couldn't. Anyways, they still got that win. They still got tonight's win. So it doesn't really matter. But it's definitely something that, that I notice, we all notice, and something that hopefully the Warriors notice and try to fix eventually. Or is it just something we have to accept with them? I don't know. As far as my notes go for this game, there weren't a ton just because all of a sudden when a team starts dominating, there's only so much you can say. But one one of the main things I noticed with uh, the Warriors tonight was ball movement and cuts off ball. That's part of what helped get Steph 14 assists. And on top of that, KD had six assists, 20 assists between the two of them. It's pretty great. Uh, but tons of off ball cutting, tons of baseline cuts, uh, transition, just everything. Everything was going towards the hoop tonight. And... Part of it was taking advantage of a young team, and the other part was these actions, these these off-ball cut actions that they haven't run most of the year. They just haven't been there, whether it's being lackadaisical or who, who knows what the reason is. But I felt the energy was great tonight. It wasn't one of these things where, oh, the Knicks are in it at the end of the second or, you know, with three minutes left in the second because the Warriors are just bored, disinterested no energy, they were pretty locked in. It also kind of felt like one of those games where over the last year or two, they'd have a game where it felt like they knew they were going to win, so let's try and get 50 assists. Or let's try and, you know, break the the single-game three-point record or something like that, and it felt like an assist night tonight. And maybe that's just me, but that's what I felt. That's what, that's what I saw. Steph, when he subbed out at the end of the first... Or, you know, with about three minutes left in the first, the the offense kind of just bogged down. Steph was great in that first quarter, moving the ball, getting everyone involved. He had three assists in the first, eight points, and Clay was hot in the first quarter. And that was another another piece, as everyone was looking for Clay. And Clay delivered. He was five of eight in the first, two of four from three, 12 points. You know, Clay, just being Clay, being normal Clay, not, not, uh, the clay we saw in the first 36 games this year. Draymond was active throughout the entire game. He ended up with 11 rebounds, 10 assists, two blocks, and two points. It always makes me laugh when Draymond has a game like that where it's like, yeah, you know, could have had a triple-double if he just could get himself up to 10 points. But he was great. His energy was high. Five offensive rebounds tonight for him, which is great. Kevon Looney, three offensive rebounds, seven overall. They were really getting it going on the boards tonight, which was huge, especially against a team that, look, I know Ennis Cantor is the butt of a lot of jokes and probably deservedly so, but he's a hell of a rebounder. So to be able to go out there and rebound the way they did tonight uh, for the Warriors is a major positive. They out-rebounded the Knicks by 10, 49-39. They had 15 offensive rebounds to the Knicks' nine. So great night for the Warriors on the boards. Another player I want to talk about, and we'll get to the bench a little bit. Kavon Looney was good. Kavon was part of that cutting. Uh, the, the the people who really benefited from all the cuts and all the assists. Kavon Looney, Clay Thompson. Quinn Cook was also one of them. But Kavon was good tonight, eight points. But uh, I want to talk about some of the bench players. The first one I want to get to is Alfonso McKinney who had 16 minutes this game, and probably all but, or five of them were were garbage time. So he had, you know, like 11 minutes of solid ball, and it was a mixed bag at at times. He 
had what am I looking for? He he tried to draw two different charges that were called blocks. And I had never seen him really try and draw charges before. I'm not a fan of drawing charges in the first place. I'm not a fan of the charge, period. I think if uh, refs just decided to stop calling charges for an entire season, we wouldn't have that anymore. We'd have people try and defend normally. But that's my own nitpick, my own, you know, whatever that I have to get over, okay? It's my own mountain I have to get over, you know what I mean? But uh, that, so that was bad. He also had a travel turnover, but he had two offensive rebounds in their numbers, their record when he gets two plus offensive rebounds is something crazy. I don't have the numbers with me immediately, but he also had a nice putback, a pretty great putback dunk actually, and also knocked down a three. So it was good to see him get positive time and play well, do well with it. Cause I think he's, he's a solid player and a big part of this team moving forward. Quinn cook, same thing. 16 minutes tonight, probably five of them were garbage time. He went 0-3 from 3, which isn't great, but he still was able to get 8 points for the Warriors, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. Yeah, Quinn Cook got a block. It was pretty sweet. (laughs) But he was also one of the benefactors of all the cutting and the the assists, and it was great because it's something we haven't seen much of this year, and it's something that because of the absence of David West that I think we haven't seen as much of it because of, you know, we don't have that, you know, high-post facilitator. But... It looks like Kevin Durant might be turning into that a little bit. And I think once DeMarcus Cousins returns, we'll see that out of him as well. But Quinn definitely was cutting all over the place. He had a great game in his role and was a benefactor of of all the passing tonight. Andre Guadalla, he's just been good. He's just been good. And I hope this isn't uh, him giving us all the good... good, uh, good Andre games early in the season as opposed to the playoffs. I doubt it is. But it's just funny because the joke has been, or the thinking has been, that he's just waiting for the playoffs. Seven points tonight, three or four from the field. Great defensively, as always. Three steals, two blocks. Just classic Andre. He also had a fast break dunk that had the uh, sideline, the bench going absolutely crazy. Which, real quick, I got to mention, Warriors have a roster spot open. My assumption is that they use it on a big. But no matter who they use it on, I need an elite bench celebrator. I need someone who can really get it going on the bench as far as the celebrations are concerned. Because I've felt that the Sellies this year have been okay. They've been okay. But not as good. You know, losing JaVale and Nick Young really hurt the bench celebration game. And maybe... Maybe we can step that game up with a new addition. We'll see, though. We'll see. High hopes on my part, I know. <laughs> but to the headliner, Clay Thompson tonight. He was great. 18 to 29, 7 to 16 from three. I took 16 threes, two steals, two blocks, 43 points for Clay. And there's a lot of positives that go with it. Not just that Clay had a great game, not just that Clay is putting together uh, consistent, good games back to back to back. So he's seemingly playing like himself. But the fact is the rest of the team did not shoot well, at least from three. Without Clay, so the team went 14 of 45 from three. That's 31%. Without Clay, that is seven of 29. I had to do the math real quick in my head. That's under 25%. 
So in a game where, look, even without Clay playing well, I'm sure they would have found a way to win. But in a game where no one else is really shooting that well from the field or from three, to have Clay kind of take over, so to speak, especially from deep, is an even better sign than just him playing well. You know, if Steph and KD were also going, you know, five of eight from three and Clay has a good game from three, it wouldn't mean as much. But the fact that he was able to do it when other people weren't playing well, that it's more significant and it makes me feel better about his consistency moving forward. I don't know why, but it does. So he was 18 to 29, 7 to 16 from three, like I said. And he was great defensively as well. That's been the nice part about Clay is his defense hasn't gone anywhere. He had two blocks, two steals. And even make the all-star team this year, which it's going to be tough because of his struggles early in the year. I think this is the year he makes an all-defensive team, which is long overdue. But he's been so good defensively and putting the stats together defensively, which are stupid that that matters, but it does. I do think he makes an all-defensive team this year. As I said, the Warriors beat the Knicks 122-95. to Going to play some sound from Clay. The guy is a quote machine, and he had some great ones after the game tonight. Uh, some other sound from uh, Kevin Durant and some news regarding a certain Golden State Warrior. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Microsoft Surface and Teams. At CDW, we get the future of remote meetings works differently. Oh, going right from launch directly into a meeting, that could be awkward. But with Microsoft Surface devices with Teams orchestrated by CDW, the future works better. Touchscreen voice capabilities keep Teams engaged and productive, enabling you to always collaborate with confidence. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining. Psst, you have a spinach in your teeth. Thanks for the tip, man. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash surface. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. Charles T. Hamilton is your host. What's happening? Warriors beat the Knicks 122-95. to 95. Nice 27-point win, man. They, they haven't had a lot of those. They haven't blown teams out this year like they probably should. So to get this tonight felt good. Clay Thompson, as we know, had 43 points. He was the headliner tonight. And Clay looked pretty happy after tonight's game. And he was asked about it in his post-game interview. Here's what he had to say. Thank you. You look so happy, Clay. I'm happy. I scored 43 points, man. Would you be happy, Carrot? Of course. Yeah. Clay is honest as ever. Happy that he scored 43 points. Happy that they won. Uh, another nice moment was... Uh, Marcus Simeon, shortstop for the Oakland A's, was there watching tonight's game and caught up with uh, with Clay after the game. Not a lot of people know, but Marcus and Clay's younger brother Trace are actually uh, very close close friends uh, from their time together in the White Sox organization. So for those that understand the connection, it was a pretty cool moment to see as well, and also staggering to see how much taller Clay is than than Marcus. Uh, shout out Marcus Simeon, Gold Glove finalist. 
Now, I was stuck watching the game on NBA TV, and it was a players-only game, which I am not much of a fan of. But something that they had alluded to a lot was uh, they were calling them no-dribble clay or something like that. And it just really made me take notice of the fact that tonight a lot of his makes and success came off of shots where he took one or no dribbles. So he was getting assisted a bunch, or if they closed out hard, he would take one dribble, one step inside, knock down a mid-range. And that's where Clay is most effective. And it's not, like I've said, it wasn't the mid-range shots that bugged me. It was the type of mid-range shots. It was the dribbling around for a couple seconds before, you know, taking a mid-range shot, going one-on-one with someone. And tonight was an example of he's at his best when he doesn't do that, basically. Now, he's still good even when he is, you know, dribbling to mid-range and all that. He He's capable, but he's better when he's not. So it was better tonight that he was, you know, taking threes, being assisted on threes where he didn't have to take any dribbles. Taking the mid-range because they would close out hard on a three and he would take one dribble and then shoot. Anyways, in that same interview... Clay was asked about how it felt being midway through the season. Tonight was officially game number 41, and you play 82 regular season games. So that's halfway through. And Clay, as funny and smart as he is, had a great response to it. Here's what he had to say. At the halfway mark of the season, how would you assess where your game's at? I feel great. This is the halfway mark. It's the third for us, so I feel great. Now Clay saying it's uh, only a third way through the season for the Warriors. Uh, mathematically, he's incorrect, but I understand what he's saying, and I like what he's saying, too. Like, look, we go we go to the finals, yo. We got an extra 20 games that other teams don't have. So, I hate to be the math nerd, but mathematically, it's wrong. But I understand what he's saying, and I like that he said it, too, because, you know, F being humble, man. You guys have gone to four straight finals looking to go to your fifth straight and win your third straight ring. So, what the hell? Yeah, we we've... We've got plenty of more ball to play. This isn't this isn't a halfway point yet. So I like that. I like that from Clay. KD was asked about the reemergence, I guess you could say, of Clay Thompson or him breaking out of his slump. He had some funny things to say. Also, here's what uh, KD had to say on the topic. Uh, it's good to see um, Clay knocking down shots for sure, but nobody worried about him. I mean, he's Clay Thompson. He can get it going at any time. So. We just want to uh, want him to keep shooting, keep being aggressive, which he will always do. Um, but it's not like we're you know, looking at his hand and saying, "Welcome back, we miss you." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely gives us a um, definitely turns us up a notch when Clay's on fire like that. KD with the funny reference to Clay, obviously when he. Broke out, knocked down a bunch of threes. I think it was four or five in the game he's referencing. And Clay, you know, talking to his hand that he missed it and welcome back, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was funny. Media obviously thought it was funny also with those media laughs we heard. Uh, Clay was the headliner tonight. And this was a great cap to, well, hopefully not a cap because that would mean it's over. But just a great chapter, checkpoint, whatever, in his return to being Clay Thompson. Warriors win 122 to 95. Like I said, Clay Thompson was the headliner of the game, but the headliner of the day might go to someone else. And we're going to talk about him next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. 
Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. Charles T. Hamilton, what's up? Warriors, as I said, beat the Knicks. 122.95, I think I said it 100 times. But the big news came before tonight's game. When it was reported by Shams Charania, Woj, I think Marcus Spears had it uh, when he was done writing another Austin Rivers expose. And the news is that DeMarcus Cousins is planning on playing January 18th and the 21st against the Clippers and the Lakers, or it might be Lakers-Clippers. But bottom line, the two Los Angeles teams. And you know what? I'm just going to have to wear it because I said with no knowledge of anything, that DeMarcus was going to play on Friday. And you know what? I'm going to stick to that because that was my prediction. And uh, so, yeah, I'll just I'll just wear it until he doesn't. But as far as the report is concerned, uh, all the reports said that he's going to play on the 18th against the Clippers officially. It is the Clippers first and then the Lakers on the 21st. And... It look the the way the schedule's working. There's no easy landing spot for Demarcus to come back to. Part of why I said I thought he'd come back this Friday is because it is an easy landing spot. That's the easiest game they're going to have for a good three four weeks. But you can't rush it. And if that's when he comes, that's when he comes back. And he's not going to be coming back to twenty twenty five minutes a game. I'd be surprised if he plays more than fifteen in his first. I don't know. Five games back, they'll ramp it up in increments, I'm sure. So that is the report. That is the plan. Monty Poole said something slightly different. His report was that they are just ramping up to his return and figuring out a timetable. Steve Kerr was asked about Boogie's progress and how close he is pregame. Here's what Steve Kerr had to say about it pregame before the report came out. I, all I can tell you is it's it's closer now because the last week his uh, his scrimmaging looks much better. You know, it seems to me like he's gotten through a uh, a barrier uh, conditioning wise, and uh, you know it's not easy for anybody coming off uh, an Achilles injury, uh, much less a, a center guy who carries a lot of uh, a lot of weight and, and size. Uh, you're, you're, you know that's. But the the thing that everybody who has an Achilles uh, comeback talks about is the, the movement in space and how it's uh, you have to get comfortable with those movements and that it's not just like a sprained ankle, knee, or something 
where once it's healed, you just feel normal. It's more about uh, growing accustomed to the movement and, and the pounding. And, and uh, so that's where we are. I mean, I, we're definitely getting a lot closer than we were, but we don't have a, a specific. So that was Steve pregame, just on to Marcus's progress and how he's been looking, etc. And you kind of felt something was on the horizon because Steve wouldn't be praising DeMarcus in this way if he wasn't going to be playing soon, if there wasn't significant progress. He wouldn't just be saying this to, to say it. And the thing is, I, we'll, we'll never get an exact date from Steve Kerr for a number of reasons. He doesn't want to have to defend that date if it doesn't work out or if he comes back earlier or anything like that. And he also doesn't want to put that pressure on the player. Because let's say it doesn't work out for the player. He doesn't want to have to deal with that. So Steve is very guarded when it comes to stuff like this. And yeah, we're on a first name basis. I call him Steve. Post game. After the report came out, Steve was asked about the report that he would be playing on the 18th specifically. And here was Steve's response to that. I think it'll happen around that time. Um, It's... It's it's not as simple as that's the game. It's uh, it's somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, you know, now that we're getting closer, uh, and he's like I told you guys yesterday, he's made some big strides the last week or two, conditioning wise. So if that continues, and Rick uh, tells us that he's ready to go, uh, that it, that it could be could be that game. Maybe it's the New Orleans game a couple of days earlier. Maybe it's the first game after that. That's that's definitely the range. Did you guys start formulating that timeline in the last couple of days that that it would be around then? Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we were. I, I would say the last two scrimmages that he's had, um, it's looked to us and it's felt to him that he has uh, broken through a barrier, and we were waiting for that barrier. And uh, so now that he's uh, he's. Through that barrier, and assuming everything goes well in the next week or two, uh, that's sort of the the idea to get him in sometime that, that week. As I said, Steve Kerr will not commit to a date, but that's probably the closest you're going to get is him committing to that time frame around the New Orleans Pelicans game, which is on the 16th at Oracle, which I don't know. if If playing DeMarcus at home... For his first game back, which it shouldn't matter, I don't think, but maybe it does. Who knows? If that matters, then yeah, that would be the game to do it. But are you worried about the emotions of his first game back, being at Oracle with the crowd going crazy against the team that did not pay him? Which Steve does take this stuff into an, into account. He's, he doesn't gloss over this like it's nothing. So we will see. But the bottom line is... DeMarcus Cousins is going to be playing basketball for the Golden State Warriors within the next two weeks, and it's going to be beautiful. League pass picks for tonight. We got 10 games, a couple of really good ones, but the ones that stick out to me have got to be the Indiana Pacers at the Boston Celtics, two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Pacers are kind of my dark horse, just because I like to go against the grain pretty much. Everyone's picking the Celtics. I went Pacers probably going to be wrong either way just because I'm wrong about everything anyways but Pacers 27-13 Celtics 24-15 and Victor Oladipo back to playing great Kyrie Irving kind of the same level it's going to be an interesting game I'm excited to see that one Pacers Celtics could be the winner of that game could be the 
team the Warriors see in the finals? Or what could potentially be a finals matchup or finals preview, which I know people are going to be pissed I even said that, Bucks Rockets also play tonight. Another great game that I'm interested in seeing. James Harden still on his incredible tear where he's averaging 40 points, 40 minutes, 40 shots, a buttload of 40s, taking on the Bucks tonight at home. Rockets are at home, taking on Giannis, who's averaging 26, 12, and 6. The guy is a monster, probably the MVP this year. So those are the two games for me. Pacers, Celtics, Bucks, Rockets. There are eight other games, though, and some good ones, too, like Spurs, Grizzlies, uh, Suns, Mavs. Suns got a nice win tonight. I know, I'm just kidding, people. Suns are bad. Lakers, Pistons, a lot of good games. So check it out. But as far as I'm concerned, the top two games for tonight, Pacers, Celtics, and Bucks. Rockets. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with more of Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can't climb a mountain if it's smooth, right? You got to go over the rough spots. <laughs> Peace. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.